Good morning. Preach in Jesus' name this morning. It truly is good to be gathered together and to worship. I thought maybe before I start I would just give you an update on Christy. Um, most of you are probably wondering how she's doing. She's doing exceptionally well. Um, she's had very minor side effects from her first round of chemo. Um, we were in on Friday and uh, did a blood draw and her white blood cells were down. The range is 3 to 10 and she was at 1, which they didn't seem too alarmed, but it's definitely, we need to be very careful, very vigilant that she stays healthy. So on Wednesday, Lord willing, is round number two, and that's going to be determined by what her blood counts are. If they're good enough, they'll continue. If not, it could be postponed. So we don't know where that will end up, but it'll, it'll work in God's timing. There's minor, little minor things that are bothering her, um, probably due to the white blood cells being low, that's sore throat, a cold sore, just little nuisance things, which we take for granted when we're, when our body is working the way it's supposed to work at fighting off these little things that are nuisance. Appreciate your prayers. She would love to be here this morning, but decided to play safe, stay home, and, uh, Stay healthy. So this morning, the title is The Blood. I started hatching this message on one of our visits at Gunnerson in La Crosse. I had some extra time, and I was thinking about how God gave us all blood. And there's life in the blood. Obviously, we all have that this morning. We're here. We're functioning. We're moving. We're living. And we all have blood. We know that. It's very basic. Very simple. Blood is red. Blood does amazing work in our bodies. It carries oxygen, proteins, essential nutrients through our body. Then it also removes things that are foreign, waste, and whatever is not supposed to be in there removes that. It also keeps us warm. You ever think about blood as universal? Doesn't matter what nationality, what race, what gender. We all have red blood. But then there are different types of blood. So very basic. You wouldn't be living this morning if you didn't have blood. To be very critical, if you were in an accident this morning and you lost a lot of blood, you would, you would probably be in a shock. You would be escorted to the hospital as fast as one could do it, and there would probably be blood being given to you to help sustain your life. So that's why it's important to donate blood. you have the opportunity to do that, I think it's a good thing to do. 
Do you give it any thought when you cut yourself and you bleed? That, oh, I'm going to bleed to death. Our blood is amazing that it has a protecting mechanism about it. And that is one thing right now with Christy that she has to be very careful with. Because if she was to cut herself, she could bleed a lot easier than previously. And also due to that, the risk of infection could be a lot higher. So, she has a blood disorder. There was a cell in her blood that decided to go on its own. And unbeknownst to the body, the body didn't recognize it, and it continues to mass produce. The body does not recognize that there's a problem, and this problem continues to grow. So the thought occurred to me in that illustration is, could that happen in our church? Could we have somebody in our body that wants to go on their own, wants to do their own thing, and it could be like cancer. They're almost good, but yet it's poison to the body. But the body doesn't recognize it. This is where I think a help from a doctor is essential in understanding what's going on. The doctors that were helping Christy in her situation were somewhat puzzled. But they were persistent and they continued to dig deeper. As much as we would have loved to have it totally clear, it came back with a different report. So this caused us to go with a form of action. We could have took the avenue of denial and not done anything about it. They said the average span would have been about three years. But the course of action with the best treatment plan and a possible transplant, they said we can cure it. We're leaving that to the Lord for his plan, his timing is perfect, and we have faith that there will be healing. So this got me thinking about Christ's blood and the sacrifice that he paid at the cross. Turn with me for a text this morning, Matthew chapter 26. Jesus had gathered his disciples together for the Last Supper. As these men were gathered around him, he's explaining to them a new covenant. Matthew 26, verse 27. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day 
when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The blood of goats and of bulls for 4,000 years had not met the requirement for fulfilling the law. Here Jesus is saying, My blood is a New Testament. It is sufficient. It's going to pay the penalty. This is what he's talking about when he said that he had come to fulfill the law and not to do away with it. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, talks about that. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not to. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. It was an act of selfless love. No other sacrifice had been able to ever do what Jesus did. And this new covenant with God was established. A blood covenant. Jesus sacrifice his blood offers redemption atonement healing protection deliverance strength and transformation now we'll look at some of these his blood has the power to redeem we sing that song redeemed 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 by the blood of the lamb Redeemed, redeemed, his child forever I am. Galatians chapter 3. Be some scripture to turn to this morning, but you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. You see, the law was hard. It was almost a curse to mankind. No one could ever be pure enough, good enough, holy enough to obey the entire law. The law held man to bondage and showed every imperfection in humanity. But the blood of Jesus freed us from that curse of sin and death. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The law had no completion. Today a lamb, tomorrow a dove, next week a goat, next a bull. Continued on and on and on. How many gallons of blood was shed in those 4,000 years for the sin of man? It never stopped. Constantly trying 
to cover the sins of a nation. Also, the priests had to enter the Holy of Holies once a year, every year to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant to atone for the sins of the nation. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 18, verse 19. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and of gold, for your vain conversation received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. One cry from Jesus. It is finished. That finished, that long, that separation that is no longer there, that veil that was rent from top to bottom. The new covenant. The blood of Jesus. We have now access and presence to the holy God by Him. Hebrews 10. Verse 16 through 19. This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We have that access to come to a holy God, no longer having to partition a priest, but to go boldly to the throne of God. The blood has power to transform. It is the blood of Jesus when it's applied to our lives, makes the chiefest, the vilest of sinners transform them from body, soul, and spirit into a new creature, forming them into the image of God in His holiness. Back one chapter, Hebrews 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through eternal spirit offer Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Transformation, forming us from an old man to a new man. Example we have in the Bible of Saul. A murderer tried to destroy the church of Christ, the church of God, only to encounter God and the power of that blood and to be transformed from Saul to Paul, an apostle of Christ. Also, the example we have of the thief that was hanging there on the cross with Jesus, transformed, was no longer a sinner, was able to spend eternity with Christ. Second Corinthians chapter five, 
verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Every person that is still breathing, still living, has the opportunity of being made a new creature. The blood of Jesus Christ can transform the vilest sinners, the worst that is imaginable, and change them into a new, per in a new creature, a new person. When we see people, how do we view them? What is our view? Just a little side note. One of the nurses that was prepping Christy for a port, I made one. I thought he was maybe one of the crudest nurses I ever saw at just physical appearance. He had the headgear on for protecting his hair, but obviously you could tell he had bushy hair and a ponytail. Usually you don't think too well of those when you're in a hospital situation, but it ended up, he ended up being the nicest uh, nurse I ever talked to. We ended up having a conversation about God. Um, so you can't judge totally by their appearance. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. I think Lynn referred to this last Sunday night in his devotional. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The blood of Jesus has power to give life. Blood is a source of life. Without it coursing through our veins, life would cease in our physical body. You cannot survive without blood. And I'd like to make the example, without the blood of Christ applied to our spiritual lives, we are bound to be certain that we will experience a death, and that death will be an everlasting death. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the warmongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The blood of Jesus Christ is not applied if we have not accepted that blood, that sacrifice. We are bound to experience the second death. Life, more abundantly, can be found in the power of His blood. John 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it 
more abundantly. The life that Jesus offers is abundant, more abundant. I want to stop here, and I want to reverse and go back in time to that Passover that was observed in Exodus chapter 12. Here was the children of Israel, slaves, captive in Egypt. How much persuading did Moses have to do to tell the people to kill a lamb and put the blood on their doors? It's a thought that occurred to me. You read through that account, it appears that they did it without question. I think it's Exodus 12, maybe 36. That's not right. I'm not laying my eyes on it right now. There's a verse there that talks about, and the people went, and they did according to what Moses had commanded them to do. They listened well. This was a life and death situation. If the death angel that was going to, going to appear that night did not see blood on those doorposts, he would enter in and there would be death on that family. I was also going to look, but I don't know that all the plagues affected the children of Israel. But this was one that was going to affect them if they didn't listen. You know, God could have made this plague just for the Egyptians. But he made it for the children of Israel as well. Now, if we don't have Christ's blood applied to our life, it is certain that there will be death. How much more important is it that we take serious and accept this gift of sacrifice that Jesus so freely gave us? Apply the blood so that we can have abundant life. The relationship between sin and salvation will certainly be one of proportion. The way one views sin will determine one's perspective on the atonement. And the way one views the atonement will determine how one views sin. His blood... Jesus' blood has the power to heal and to protect. Whenever there's a virus that attacks our body, our body begins to fight. Our blood, the white blood cells that are made up of our blood, are going to attack that virus. The blood of Jesus, I think, offers us protection as well. 
Satan comes to tempt, to throw darts. The blood of Jesus Christ is in our life. We have power against that to fight off the evil. It's a shield of protection. When our body suffers an injury, there's a cut, there's blood. It does wonderful things. That blood that is bleeding has a way of causing a scab to form. And that scab does two things. It stops the bleeding, but it also protects the body from becoming infected. So there's a barrier. Many times in life we may suffer from different kinds of attacks upon our spirit. A word that is said that cuts to the cuts like a knife to the heart, a selfish act that almost destroys us emotionally. Whatever the injury is that occurred, there is hope in healing. We have heard the term forgive and forget. And then there's a term to forgive and remember. Let's think about it. When we cut ourselves, there's a scab. And that scab offers a protection. It's a, it's a healing. It's a beginning of a healing process. And it doesn't just happen overnight. It takes time. As I thought about that, neither does a verbal or emotional injury take healing overnight either. It takes time. And I wonder sometimes if we don't like to pick at our scabs and poke and scratch and we continue to bleed. And then the healing process, the healing process takes longer. And the scar becomes more etched. If you notice on my chin, I have a scar. As I understand it, that happened when I was a child. I think I was placed on the tractor fender by my father and was not patient enough to wait for him to get off and decided to beat him getting off. And I don't know how old I was, but I'm told that I went chin first into the gravel. Now, I don't know if I kept picking at that or not, but that's a hard place for, for a scar to probably go away. But probably for them, young married, young child, jumping off a tractor and getting a chin bruised, I don't know what it looked like, probably was somewhat of an alarm. But there's a scar there. And once in a while I'm reminded to be patient. With Christ's blood applied to our lives, 
is the only healing that can have the remedies to the injuries that come, whether it's physical or emotional. I don't know if you paid attention to the news at all, but this week marked the anniversary of the school shooting that happened at the Amish school in Nickel Mines. That was October 2nd, 2006. That school day started out as a normal day, but ended up to be a very devastating day. What was the response of those that were there and those that were affected by that? So I found a little excerpt, and I'm just going to read it. This was the Amish community's response. I think it's worthy to read. On the day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls was heard warning some young relatives not to hate the killer, saying, We must not think evil of this man. Another Amish father noted he had a mother and a wife and a soul, and now is standing before a just God. Robert, the killer, Robert's family, spokesman for him, said an Amish neighbor comforted the Robert family hours after the shooting and extended forgiveness to them. Amish community members visited, comforted Robert's widow, parents, and parent-in-laws. One Amish man held Robert's sobbing father in his arms reportedly for for as long as an hour to comfort him. The Amish have also set up a charitable fund for the family of the shooter. Mary Roberts, the wife of Robert, wrote an open letter to her Amish neighbors thanking them for the forgiveness, the grace, and the mercy. She wrote, Your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately needed. Gifts you're given have touched our hearts in ways no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. But yet, on the flip side, some commentators criticized the quick and complete forgiveness with which the Amish responded, arguing that forgiveness is inappropriate when no remorse has been expressed, and that such an attitude runs the risk of denying the existence of evil. While others were supportive, Donald Crabo and two other scholars of the Amish life noted that letting go of the grudges is a deeply rooted value in the Amish culture, which, remi- which remembers forgiving martyrs, including Dirk Williams and Jesus himself. They explained that the Amish willingness to forgive, the Amish willingness to forgo vengeance does not underdo the tragedy or the pardon the wrong, but rather constitutes the first step toward a future that is more hopeful. This is when the blood of Jesus applied to our lives can bring healing to hurts and injuries that come into our lives. That wound, that scar, may be tender and tender. For a while. May leave a scar, but the blood of Jesus is always going to be in the middle, working, taking care of the hurt, and produce healing.
another little story. Back when black diphtheria was rampantly making its way through the world, Dr. Felix Rue, a Jewish doctor in Paris, had watched as his granddaughter died of black diphtheria and vowed that he would find a cure for the dreaded disease that had taken the life of his granddaughter. The idea of combating germs was still a theory when Dr. Rue invited the area scientists to his farm to watch as he swabbed 20 horse nostrils, tongues, and throats with a germ that he had cultured with black diphtheria. One by one, the horses began to die until there was only one horse left. The scientists all gave up and left, but Dr. Rue remained until his, with his assistant who watched the horse throughout the night. When the fever of the horse began to break, he woke Dr. Rue. The doctor watched as the horse fought off the germs and by the next day was standing and eating as if nothing had ever been wrong. At this, Dr. Rue killed the horse and extracted all the blood from the animal that had overcome this disease and rushed to the municipal hospital, forcing his way past the superintendent and the guards and went into the ward where 300 babies lay segregated to die from black diphtheria. With the blood of the horse, they were forcefully inoculated. Every one of the babies, all but three, lived and recovered completely. They were saved by the blood of the overcomer. In the same way, the blood of Jesus overcomes and offers us life. His blood has the power to deliver. It's in the power of the blood of Jesus that breaks the yoke of bondage of sin from our life. He does not just forgive and then leave us in the grips of Satan, but by power of the blood of Christ we can experience that freedom from sin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Whatever Satan has wrapped around your life and seems to be choking the very life out of you, the blood of Christ can break you and set you free. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13 and 14. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins? Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives until death. His blood is still powerful today. 
His blood is still saving sinners and setting captives free today. His blood is sufficient for you and for me. There was a family that was involved in a serious accident. Mike, the younger of the two brothers, was involved, involved, was badly injured and needed a blood transfusion. Mike's bigger brother, Danny, who was almost eight, was perfect, was the perfect blood type. His father sat down with him and explained that his little brother was going to die. But if Danny would give his little brother some blood, that Mike would be just fine. Danny sat and thought for a minute and then said, Okay, Dad, I will do this for my brother. They took Danny into the operating room and hooked up the needle to his arm, and the blood from his body began to flow to his little brother. Everything had gone wonderful. And the nurse removed the needle from little Danny's arm, and Danny, with a tear in his eye, looked at his father and said, When do I die? The father suddenly realized, with a shock, that Danny had misunderstood his explanation of giving blood. Danny thought he was giving all of his blood to save the life of his little brother. He thought that he would die after the transfusion was over. Yet he still had agreed to help his little brother. What love, what sacrifice, what a gift of life, what blood. Have you experienced the wonder-working power of the blood of the Lamb? How precious is that blood of Jesus to you? Hebrews chapter 13, in closing. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought us again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. We have an everlasting covenant with Christ. As we commemorate this morning the Lord's Supper and we reflect on what Christ has done for us, let's remember the covenant that we have with him. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. I want to read yet. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through that veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's pause for prayer. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for the sacrifice that you have given of sending your Son to be that perfect sacrifice, the blood that was shed at Calvary so that we could be made free, and that we could have life abundantly. Lord, I just pray that you would bless this time as we go forth from here uh, from the Father's service. Lord, I just pray that you would help us as we commemorate and remember what you have done for us. Lord, just be with each one. Bless each one for being here this morning. Suit a blessing to each need, each hurt, and each life. 
Help us to put our trust and our confidence in you and that we would remain faithful to you as long as we live. Go with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen.